This is episode 247, I Feel Like a Failure with Alex. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Welcome back to the show, everybody. So I'm recording this a few days after the murder of George Floyd was brought into all of our awarenesses. And I want to speak to it. I don't know that I have the right thing to say. I don't know if I have anything actually helpful to say, but it feels wrong to not say anything. I've been posting on Instagram about it and encouraging us all, especially white people, to educate ourselves as to the privilege that we have and how racism impacts all of us in different ways. In times like this, especially now that there are some more violent riots and also peaceful protests, it can be tempting to get into judgment, right, wrong, pointing fingers, but that really doesn't solve anything. I've never, ever heard of any problem being solved through violence, judgment, or blame. And as you hear on this podcast, 247 episodes later, really what gets people to any kind of breakthrough, to any kind of change, any kind of transformation is compassion, love, not making them feel wrong at all, really seeking to understand their model of the world. And then that person is responsible for the change. And let me just be crystal clear about something There is times when judgment in terms of judgment of the law is absolutely appropriate. The officer that killed George Floyd absolutely should be arrested for third degree murder. That isn't even a a judgment that's a fact. He went beyond breaking the law. He did something that was pure evil. And in my opinion, so should the officers that stood there and watched it. So I'm not saying that There's no place for judgment when crimes are committed. But I am saying that blaming, pointing fingers, right, wrong, creating more division and separation between us is not going to get us where we eventually need to go, which is back to a place of absolutely, truly caring about our fellow human beings, no matter what we look like, no matter how much money we have, and especially no matter what our skin color looks like. And so I'm asking all of you to, during this time when there's just so much hard stuff going on in the world, to not completely live in a bubble. For my fellow empaths, I know that watching the news, mainstream media is definitely not where we want to be. It's often too hard to, to see everything that's going on, to take it all in, but that's a version of privilege, being able to avoid seeing those things or knowing about them. And it's important that we know, we know what's going on in the world, both with the George Floyd situation, racism as a whole, and also what continues to go on with the virus, how we're handling it, the domestic violence that has gone up, the alcohol usage that has gone up, people dying alone, people dying at home because they're too afraid to call an ambulance because they don't want to get the virus in the hospital. There's a lot happening. I feel my chest constricting as I'm speaking about it. And it's my intention. It's always been part of my mission to bring more compassion to the world. But compassion isn't airy-fairy, love and light. Let's just kind of pretend, oh, everything's okay when it's not. Compassion also requires, well, let's define it. Co means with, passion means suffering, means being with suffering, not ignoring it not pretending it's not there, our own or someone else's, and really asking the tough questions of our government, of law enforcement, of our leaders, even people that you follow. You know, I ask any of you, especially black people, brown people, people of color, 
if there's something I could do better, if there are things that I do that make you feel uncomfortable or not welcome in any way, tell me. Because that's what I'm learning about this whole situation is there are a lot of us who would never consider ourselves racist, but unknowingly contribute to the problem. So my mission is always to create a safe space for people to speak, for people to speak up, for people to be vulnerable, to share challenges, difficulties that they have. And I will continue to do my best to do that. I'm working on getting someone on the show for Coach's Corner to educate me a little more and educate you. I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, I don't see all of you. I'm assuming that a lot of my listeners are white because I'm white. And so I want to do my best or my part to bring more awareness to all of us. And if you hear me stuttering a little bit, it's because I'm holding back a lot of emotion, which I've been feeling all day. There's just a lot going on in the world, guys and gals. <laughs> and we all need to, well, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I'll tell you what, what I'm doing and continuing to hold a space to do. One, we got to heal the deeper wounds. Anyone who's violent against someone else didn't have a good childhood. I would bet all the money I have and my, my life on it, you know, unless I have some other pathology or mental illness that promotes, that, that creates an inability to restrict oneself from violence. Most violence comes from having violence done to you. Most racism comes from having it being taught in your home. Hurt people, hurt people. Again, not an excuse, but we have got to start parenting ourselves and our children our communities better and create more of a space for people to do the deeper work. Because if we don't do the deeper work, we either end up lashing out at ourselves or lashing out at someone else. So I will continue to do my deeper work on myself, feeling my feelings about it, but also calling myself forward into action as well. And if you're really triggered by everything that's going on, good use the trigger. It's, it's going to hit against some of your wounding times you felt unsafe or uncertain, or you felt that you were treated poorly, or you felt shamed, or you felt left out, or you felt like you didn't belong. Feel all of it, not to sit in it and be miserable, but to feel it, to heal it. That's how we have to deal with things. We have to allow those feelings to come up and out, greet them with compassion, and then reparent ourselves and tell us ourselves the things that we were never ever told. And that's what you'll hear me do with Alex in today's episode. Today's episode is a little unique. It's a little longer. And the reason it's a little longer is because it needed to be. I could feel from the first few moments of speaking with Alex that she needed the space to be heard and she needed the space to really take in everything that I was saying and, and let it land. And so it was a lot of hearing her, explaining things, giving her information and just getting her to a place where hopefully she was feeling a little bit more empowered. That empowerment, so important that we as individuals feel empowered so we don't either give our power away to others or exert our power over others. As you're listening to this call, consider, do you feel like you're failing at life and not where you should be? Do you have an alcoholic or addict parent? And maybe did you have another parent that you were super, super close to, maybe even a little too close? Is it hard for you to break free of toxic relationships or situations, even though you know that they are not healthy for you? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my call with Alex. Alex, welcome to the show. How can I help? Hi, thank you so much for having me, Christine. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just kind of feeling like I'm hitting a rock bottom moment and mm. I'm kind of just sick of myself and sick of like playing the victim and whatever else. And I just would like some clarity on like how to move forward in a positive mm. direction. Mm. Well, what's got you feeling victim-y? At the end of 2018, I walked away from a really toxic relationship, very codependent. He was an addict. There were a lot of issues there. It wasn't good. I moved. Well, I acknowledge you for walking in. away. Well, thank you. It was a very hard decision. Um, mm -hmm. 
I moved back in with my mom, uh, moved like eight hours away from where I was living, you know, left the life that I knew. Moved back with my mom, but I didn't fully like cut it off with him. And we still communicated. We would go months without talking and then he would reach out and it would just start all over again. And we would visit each other and talk. In the meantime, I got a really good paying job and moved out of my mom's house and started that. And it just seemed like that was like another toxic thing that I invited into my life. I loved the work that I was doing, but my boss was just not a very pleasant individual. So fast forward to now, I've still been talking to the ex on and off. Mm -hmm. And I found out that I was losing my job Mm -hmm. at the end of next month. And the ex and I were talking and he was like, well, you can just come back here. I won't make you pay rent for a while. So you can start your own business. You can get it off the ground. And I thought everything was great. And then I just found out that he had been lying to me about so much stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> which everyone tried to tell me for a long time, but I guess I just needed to see it for myself. Mm-hmm. And I just said, no, that's it. Cut off all communication and everything. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, what in the heck am I going to do? I'm turning 28 next week and I'm losing my job. I know that I'm probably going to have to go move back in with my mom for a little bit until I figure out what to do. And I'm just, I'm kind of just feeling like a failure as an adult. Mm, You're not failing as an adult. You have unprocessed wounding that is making it hard to live the life that you want to live. So we really, really need to, when it, when it, when we look at things like this, it's, we can't look at ourselves as failures because we have to know that we're doing the best we could in that moment. And that yeah. so much, so many of your decisions and actions have been coming from old hurts and unresolved woundings. That's not an excuse to keep doing it, but it is a reason to be gentler on yourself because no one really makes significant changes by beating the shit out of themselves. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll make short-term changes, but true transformation and true change comes from love. Love is what heals all, including ourselves. So this is great that you hit rock bottom because you seem to be the kind of person that needs it to be rock bottom before you're willing to (laughs) ask for some help. And so it's, and I've been there and we've all had our different rock bottom moments. So let me just ask you a few questions. Why do you think that you're attracted to toxic people? What is that? What is the familiarity with toxic people? Because mostly our attraction is what's familiar. Well, my dad is an alcoholic. And I mean, he and my mom are still married and everything. It's fine, but he's just a very negative person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think that could be a big part of it. Yeah. What was he like as a father other than an alcoholic and negative? I mean, he had really good moments, but he was mainly... He just worked all the time. He's a workaholic too. Mm -hmm. And that was his main focus. And when he was around you, you did have interaction with him. What was it like? I guess I felt like the only way that I could really connect with him was to like the things that he liked and do the things that he wanted to do. I didn't feel like he necessarily like took an interest in me or like wanted to do the things that I liked to do. Mm-hmm. And there we have the root of codependence. Who do I need to be for you to love me? It's either who do I need to really be? Think about it like that. Yeah. yeah. So, what comes up for you when you think about it like that? That's what I've done my whole life, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's definitely what I did with with that ex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, ex was just dad. You know, when we have a big wound from a parent, we will continue to attract experiences, toxic boss, and romantic relationships, ex, that remind us of that because that little girl inside is looking to feel that love and approval and acceptance. And so we continue to look for the familiar to find it. And, you know, codependence has lots of roots, but it's usually either who do I need to be for you to love me or in order for me to feel loved, I need you to love me. And we get that kind of addictive love type of thing. So know that so much of this stems from being a little girl, probably looking up to your dad 
feeling he wasn't emotionally or physically available for you. And at a young age, you decided, all right, well, the only way to get his attention and maybe some love is I'll just be whatever he needs me to be. So you just lost yourself at a young age. Let me rephrase that. You lost touch with yourself. You're still there. You're still there. But there's a personality that's formed and a defense mechanism that's formed that has made you really, really good at contorting yourself into a pretzel to get other people to love you. And P.S., these people aren't really even loving you. Like, ex didn't love you. Dad probably, he, he loved you in the sense that he's your father, but in terms of the actions of love, because he was so out of self-love and in self-loathing and in his addiction, he didn't really have the capacity to love you. Yeah. I mean, did you feel loved by your ex? Really loved and seen. Because love is about feeling seen, feeling understood, and feeling safe. Did you feel those no, things? I, no, I didn't. I never did. And I, I guess I thought that he loved me, but maybe it's... Maybe what I identified as love isn't real, true love. What did you identify as love? Gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. I felt like he was always there for me and like would help take care of me like monetarily and that sort of thing and always like gave me compliments and stuff like that. But then Mm -hmm. when push came to shove, he would always make me feel crazy. And anytime that I ever put my focus into something else, be it like a job or friends or anything like that, he would kind of throw a tantrum Mm-hmm. and want all the attention and mm-hmm. yeah and that's why I'm in this position I just I I used to be such an outgoing person and had a ton of friends until I started dating him and I, the focus just always had to be on him and it's not his fault I mean I I chose to let this friendship go but I put all of my focus on him so mm-hmm. on top of dealing with all this other stuff I just feel really alone yeah I hear you I hear you. And I know it felt like all the focus was on him, but what your focus was really on was trying to get love. Yeah. And we'll just keep going back to those familiar places until we wake up a little bit and we start to do the healing work because the wound with your ex is just a secondary wound to the wound that's with your father. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes people with no sense of self, which would be you, or better said, because I want to be careful with my language with you, a forgotten sense of self mm-hmm. often tend to attract people with an inflated sense of self. We could even say those people with narcissistic tendencies. And it sounds like there's some gaslighting going on in that relationship and probably some other things that would fit into the category of narcissistic tendencies. Yes, I would definitely say so. Yeah. Yeah. So. What work have you done on yourself in terms of healing some of your old wounds and addressing your past? Um, I mean, I've done therapy before. What did you discover in therapy and coaches with coaches? To be perfectly honest, like I don't really feel like it did much for me. And maybe it was, I was going to the wrong therapist. Did you ever connect the dots that in, in therapy or coaching, did you ever connect the dots to... I'm continuing to seek toxic people in toxic environments because I have a broken heart from when I'm a little girl wanting my dad's approval, wanting his attention. And I decided at a young age that I'm just going to contort myself into a pretzel and be whatever I need to be to get some crumb of attention and affection. Definitely not that clearly. I guess I had connected the dots between like, you know, that's why I gravitate towards like chaos and like these narcissistic people. Yeah was because of that chaos in my yeah. life. And just out of curiosity, what was your relationship like with mom and what was relationship like between mom and dad growing up? My mom and I are really close and we always have been ever since I was little. My mom and my dad, I mean, they're still married, but I don't know. It's more of like a business partnership than a marriage. And when you say your mom and you were close, what do you mean by that? She's just always been my number one supporter. Is there a meshment there? I, I don't know. Mm, let me ask you some questions. 
she's been your number one supporter. Do you feel like she truly, truly sees you? For the most part, yeah. I am scared of disappointing her. Why? Tell me more about that. I don't know. I guess ever since I was a kid, I always felt like I had to be really like quote unquote good, make good grades, be a good kid to do all the things like to get my parents approval. And it was never, they never did anything to make me feel that way. So I don't, I don't know why I necessarily felt that way. They never said you have to get good grades or we're not going to like you anything like that. But I've always just been like terrified to disappoint them. And how do you do when your mom's upset? Not just at you, but just upset in life. How does that impact you? Um, It makes me really upset. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of the other side of codependence. Is I'm not okay unless you're okay. Yeah. So... You have mastered, you've mastered this, this um, personality pattern. This, I don't, I don't love using labels, but they're useful in a situation like this. Um, Which in in a way, my love is, is good because there's so much information about codependence. There are so many books, there are so many resources. There's even 12 step programs for it that it will help you not feel alone because I know that you feel alone in both the not having friends, but I think you also feel alone in some of these issues and some of these patterns because I'm sensing there's also quite a bit of shame. Yeah, there is. So what are you ashamed of? Well, I mean, like I said at the beginning of the call, just I don't feel like I'm where I should be to be turning 28 next week. And I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I carry a lot of shame about like so much stuff in my life. Yeah. I hear you. And if your whole sense of survival has been engineered by wanting to be good, I can understand how this is really landing as a big failure for you because it doesn't feel like you're good enough. Yeah. Yeah. But what's missing, what do you think is the biggest thing that's missing in your life? Me loving myself. What does that and mean? I, I, me accepting myself and me being good enough for me, mm-hmm. me not trying to hold myself to this crazy, big, unattainable standard that I have for myself. And I've done all the, the you know, I can do all the self-care and like the journaling exercises and stuff like that, but I can't seem to like crack the code on how to love myself. Well, loving yourself may be a bit of a stretch right now because so much of your model for love is wired into how other people see you. Yeah. So it may be an intellectual concept that you can understand, but a foreign concept for you to feel. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I agree with you. Love and acceptance is is definitely missing. But I think that the feeling or the energetic to focus on most importantly right now is compassion for yourself. Because do you see how like when you were talking about love and acceptance, it was all about what you need to do more of? Yeah. And it's hard to say, all right, I'm going to love and accept myself, but I'm also going to judge myself of all the ways I'm not loving and accepting myself. And it just takes you right out of love. Mm -hmm. So What I really am going to encourage you to work on, Alex, is compassion, massive self-compassion because you're so far in judgment that, because I personally don't feel too much of victim-y energy from you. I feel massive self-loathing. Yeah. And it's so hard to change to heal, to even get through the day when we're in such a place of Mm self-hate. And so I know it feels like the opposite of that would be love, but let's just move more into the energetic of compassion. Like, can you just be with your suffering? Can you have massive compassion for this little girl who 
thought it was her responsibility to make sure mom was okay and thought she needed to be somebody else in order to get dad's love. Mm-hmm. And I know you felt close to your mom, but I also have a sneaky suspicion that your mom kind of made you her surrogate spouse. And since she didn't have the emotional connection with dad, a lot of her own emotional needs got projected onto you. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a very healthy, clean mother-daughter relationship where you felt like you could just be the daughter and just be loved. It was more of a two-way street where you also felt you had to love her and make sure she was okay. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, who was loving Alex? Who was there for her? Whoever told her, Alex, you are just so lovable. You are amazing and whole and complete just for who you are. What are you interested in? What do you want to do? What's exciting to you? What are you thinking about? What are your dreams? How much of that did you get? Well, a lot from my mom. Yes. And there was also the unspoken responsibility to make sure she was okay. But I feel guilty saying that. And I've tried to talk to her about that before. And she always says that she feels so bad about that. And that's not true. And she never wanted to put that, that she didn't feel that way. And she never meant to like make me feel that way. I'm sure she didn't. And your mom sounds like an amazing person. And I'm so glad that you got a lot of that. And part of what is going to move you out of this is just, see, it's like when, when one parent isn't available, often will form this bond with the other parent where since they, we feel like they were kind of our only one, we feel this fierce loyalty to them. And I'm in no Mm -hmm. way, shape or form saying we're throwing mom under the bus, but if she was living were you the only were you the only the only child? Yes. Okay. So if she's in a home where there's her husband who's emotionally unavailable, an alcoholic and a work, workaholic, she's getting really nothing from him. Even if she didn't mean to, she's going to feed on you for some of her emotional needs. Mm-hmm. That's just a very common thing that happens Mm -hmm. and it's not doesn't make her a bad person or anything but part of what will emancipate you from this pattern that you're in is the willingness to to see things clearly and, and giving yourself permission to address your anger at your parents not in a call them up and chew them out kind of way not in a i'm going to stay mad at them forever but really process your own stuff around it so that you can have a healthier relationship, especially with mom. And I wouldn't recommend moving back in with her. Well, I don't have any other option. We always have options. We always have options. There's always options there. So that, that statement was the first time in this whole conversation I heard you sound like a victim. Okay. So let's... Mm-hmm. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. What are you scared of? I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings and I don't want to make her mad at me. Right. Because then I won't be loved. Do you see the pattern? Yeah. Yeah. So I know this sounds, it may sound selfish to you, but it's actually really an act of self-love is you must start caring more about your own needs and your own feelings than others. Potentially there's a roommate situation. I don't know what kind of severance you're getting from your job. I don't know if you could downsize. There's, again, there's, there's always options, but if we don't think that there are options, then there are no options. Nothing becomes available. You're right. And part of what will be a huge part of your healing journey, Alex, is to prove to yourself that you can take care of yourself and that you can meet your own needs. You got a well-paying job in the past. I'm sure you could get another one. 
But part of what's going to help that is you've got to start amping up the self-worth a little bit. And the other thing that may be unconsciously drawing you back to mom's house is you are love starved and you will go back to wherever you think you can get it. And I'm not saying that you can't get love from your mom, but there probably is some healing work to do so that it doesn't continue to be a kind of a meshed, also codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you move back in, it's hard, It's kind of hard to, I liken it to trying to do rehab in a bar, you know, trying to rehab from <laughs> alcohol in a bar. It's like you can try not to drink, but it's, it's there. And again, I'm sure your mom did the best she could and I'm sure she's a loving person, but I'm just looking at this from the perspective of seeing where you are, seeing all the patterns that are happening and knowing there's sort of two things that I feel need to happen in your life right now. Number one, massive compassion. And number two, finding a sense of empowerment. Finding a sense of strength within you that doesn't rely on others. Yeah, I really resonate with that because, I mean... I lived at home, obviously, and like my parents took care of me and I went to college. And then as soon as I graduated from college, I moved to the place where I met the ex and Mm -hmm. was with him for like four and a half years. And he was like, even though I was making my own money and stuff, I definitely didn't feel like I could do it on my own. And it was like he was taking care of me. Mm -hmm. Or I felt like I needed him to take care of me. And I know my parents have helped me with money and stuff and that does not make me feel good. And Mm -hmm. that again, makes me feel like a failure as an adult. Mm -hmm. So yeah, i definitely have this complex and I'm not being able to take care of myself. Well, I hear that. And again, I hope that this coaching session and going back and re-listening to it will give you some compassion because we, just like your mom most likely unconsciously plugged in to you a little bit for love because she wasn't getting it from her spouse. You will unconsciously plug into wherever you can for love. We need love. And so many of us don't get healthy, pure, unconditional love. So we find our other fixes. And one of the ways that you felt loved is by someone financially taking care of you. It happened with ex, it happened with parents. You saw your dad work, he probably provided from the family. You're like, oh, that's love. So being as love-starved as you are right now, of course, there's gonna be an unconscious pattern that that like wants to go and reach out for financial support and then shames yourself for it at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense what I just said? Yeah. And so I want you to have compassion because you've, unconsciously continued to allow yourself to need financial support because you've been love starved. And that's one way you felt like you were getting love. But then your conscious mind with your massive judger comes in and shames you because I'm 28 years old and I should be different. But can compassion come in and go, wow, I really see how that getting that financial support was like the little ways that I felt loved. It was the the little ways I filled my love bucket so that I could survive. I never really looked at it like that. And quite honestly, I'd rather have you have your own place and your own space and maybe get a loan from your parents. You could phrase it as a loan if you want, than moving right back in with mom. Mm -hmm. Because one feels like going backward and one feels like taking an empowering step forward. Mm What feels most empowering and supportive to you in terms of your next steps? I definitely want to be on my my own. And but I mean it's it's scary to me with the economy like it is now. And both of my parents are encouraging me to just come home mm-hmm. because I yeah, I, I don't have another job lined up and I don't know what I'm going to do or where I want to be or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
What's what do you do? Um, I'm a photographer and social media manager. Mm. And you find that that's a hard job to get right now? To be perfectly honest, Christine, I haven't even tried. Mm. Well, thank you for your honesty. Yeah. What would you need to feel like you could try? Um, probably a little more faith in myself. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes what happens, Alex, is when, again, when we're love starved, we'll set ourselves up to be so, like you said, rock bottom that we're just testing to see if anyone comes and saves us. Mm-hmm. And people could come. It could be the ex who lied. It could be mom and dad who I know love you, but aren't necessarily the best environment for your growth right now. But that, those are just band-aids. Yeah. The person who really is and is fully capable. I know with every ounce of my being from your honesty, from your vulnerability, from how you've listened, from how you've thought about the questions I've asked and answered them just with, with such strength of heart. I absolutely 100% know you can do this. But it will take breaking some patterns. And I also think having a coach or a therapist that really can guide you through this process will also be helpful. And again, there are options out there in the world for those things. But like you said, it's like you don't even have enough faith in yourself to even try. Yeah. Do you feel like you're good at your job? I feel like I really was until I was told I was being let go. Why were you told you were being let go? What was the reason? My boss and I just have never gotten along. And I would come up with innovative new ideas or do different things. And I would get praised from other people in the company and even people from other companies that we work with. And Mm -hmm. I was just, Everything I did, even if it was really good, it was just always a criticism from him. Mm. I just feel like he really broke my confidence. Mm. And then he just kept making more and more asks. And I started feeling really overwhelmed with my workload. Mm -hmm. And I tried to talk to him about it on multiple occasions. And his answer was always, you're a smart girl. You'll figure it out. Mm. And... Mm. the workload just continued to increase and continued to increase. And then I finally like stood up for myself when he asked me to start working on weekends too, just because Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like I could do anymore. And he was not happy with that. And Mm -hmm. that's what kind of precipitated the situation. Okay. So I hear all that. And to me, I think, wow, you must have been really good at your job because your own boss was threatened by you. That's what my mom said too. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you'll kind of continue to see things through that victim lens because Mm -hmm. there's a part of you that thinks I only get love if I'm really... Like people only come and love me if I'm really at rock bottom. Mm Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, I get love if I make sure other people are okay. I get love if I contort myself into a pretzel to be what they want to be. And then if I really, really need love and I don't have anything to give, well, then I'll make sure that I'm sabotaging my own life so that people can come rescue me. Mm-hmm. Do you see how this is all kind of playing out? Yeah. So do you really want to give your ex-boss that much power? No, he doesn't deserve that. No, it doesn't sound like it. doesn't sound like it, but it sounds like you're damn good at your job. Thanks. So it is time for you to grow up. And I don't mean that in a way of get a job, get your own apartment, figure your life out. You're 28. What I mean by that is to me, growing up is really learning how to reparent ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's really learning how to speak to ourselves in a more loving way and to take more loving action. So... There's a, you're, you're at a, a breakthrough moment here, Alex, in terms of really questioning how much longer you're going to give other people the power to tell you who you are. Yeah. Got to start taking your power back, my love. Compassion, Definitely. 
and empowerment. Those are your two qualities right now. Okay. Compassion and empowerment. So as we wrap up here, what are some things, I know that this was a lot. What are some things that you feel like you could start doing that would move you more in the direction of compassion and empowerment? Um, One would be finally looking for a job and quitting the wallowing and trying to find something. Mm -hmm. I guess I just put this pressure on myself that I have to have like, I have to go land my dream job, you know, Mm. or get like the perfect job. But right now, I guess any job would be better than no job. Well, let's not say any job. Let's just say an aligned job in a healthy environment. Okay. It doesn't have to be dream job quite yet, but you can still be in a healthy environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think that would be huge for me. Yeah. When I was building my business, I had several jobs. I have two jobs I can think of that weren't dream jobs, but they were a healthy environment and they were nice people. Did I love it? No. But was I selling my soul or feeling stressed or, you know, couldn't wait to get out of there and got the creepers every time I walked in? No. It was, it was perfect for where I was. So that's a great first step. What else? Um, I can also try to talk to myself a little better and not a little better, a lot better and silence or at least try to start silencing that really mean critic Mm -hmm. that I have Mm -hmm. that judges everything. Yeah. So when it comes up, just say, hi, critic. There you are. I'm going to speak kinder to myself. And then just say, I forgive myself for being mean to myself. Mm -hmm. Don't attack the critic. Doesn't work. Okay. What else? Stop trying to get that love that I need from outside of me and that approval that I need. Mm -hmm. So I recommend researching some books on codependence. Codependent No More is a good one. Just start learning about it because that will help. Sometimes we understand things logically and we don't feel so alone. Mm -hmm. What else? Wherever I end up, when I am done with this job, once I'm all moved out of my current place, I need to work on getting some friends because I really, really miss that social connection with people. And why is it a for sure that you have to move out of your current place? I really don't like where I'm living. That's been another thing. I just, yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. Don't feel like I'm growing here. How much time do you have left in your current job? Um, The end of June. Okay. Five weeks. You got a month, a little over a month. Okay. You got, and when do you have to be out of your apartment? Uh, The same time, the end of June. Okay. All right. So you can do this and it's going to be a lot easier to do it if you're speaking kindly to yourself. You're definitely right about that. Yeah. And what's beautiful, I know that we talked about some things that were unhealthy with mom, but there's also, you know, what the sound of a loving mother sounds like and you can internalize that a little bit. Yeah. This is... I know it feels like rock bottom, Alex, but this is really a breakthrough. Yeah. This is a fork in a road and you can either choose to go the compassion and empowerment route and start breaking some patterns or you do a U-turn and just go back and play this out with another job and another boyfriend. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I can do that anymore. I don't think you'd it's be on the call with me if you could do that. I think you want a different path. There are so many resources. There are so many talented coaches and therapists. There are so many programs. There's so much abundance in the world. There is. And the universe or God meets us at the place where action and intention. So the last thing I'll say to you as we wrap up is is this is the time to dig deeper into your spiritual life as well. Because that's the most ultimate source of unconditional love. Mm-hmm.
Does help a little bit? Yeah, a lot. Oh, good. I hope so. I hope so. Thank you so much, Alex, for your vulnerability, your honesty, for allowing your emotion to come forward, for really allowing me to coach you and and seeing some of the ways in which you were holding yourself back. Such courage. I'm not going to have a super long breakdown because the call itself was longer than usual, but just want to highlight a few things. It's so, so important to not see ourselves as failures. When we have that judgment of ourselves of failures, then we just continue to feel like a failure (laughs) because adding judgment to that judgment only creates more self-loathing and a lowering of self-worth. So it's important to know that in any moment we are doing our best at the time. And that's not an excuse to not do better. It's like Maya Angelou says, first time you didn't know any better, the second time you know better, so do better. We always have that opportunity. There's always another time. That's the amazing thing about life is time keeps going on and we get consistently presented with opportunities. But if you look back and only see yourself as a failure, you're not going to have the self-confidence and the self-love you need to actually do better the next time. You'll just keep repeating the same quote unquote failure. So please, everyone, don't call yourself a failure. You can learn from mistakes. You can learn. I like that Michael Beckwith used to call them, or probably still does call them, mistakes. Like it was a mistake. Like take two, make an acting. You do a scene, take one. You mess up your lines, up, oh, take two. That's a mistake. Mistake. So you try again. Breaking down this call a little more. So we've got dad, who's an alcoholic, workaholic, never felt connected. She had to contort herself into a pretzel to try to get his attention. That's the first place where codependent patterns come in. Then we got mom who sounds like a great mom in so many ways, really loves her daughter. I love that they're close. And there's a little enmeshment there. There's a little codependence even there because mom probably wasn't getting a lot of her emotional needs met by husband. So goes to Alex being the only child. She sort of unconsciously fulfilled some of her mother's needs. So we've got a little enmeshment there which is another part of codependence. So, so much of what is really the healing opportunity for Alex is to just find your own way, find your own way. And I know that moving home seemed like it was the only option for her, but you can challenge me on this. I firmly believe we always have options. We just have to get creative. Maybe have to get a little scrappy, but there are always ways to not go backwards. So I really encouraged her as she's leaving this job, which it sounds like it's a great job for her to leave, to have confidence in herself, to have faith in herself, to not think that she has no other options and she just has to move home. I even suggested, hey, if you want to get a loan from mom and dad that you pay back, fine. But that would be better than going back and living in their space. You know, moving back in with our parents when a lot of our wounding around our parents is up is sort of like going to rehab in a bar. How can you do your work when you're surrounded by alcohol? So again, bottom line for Alex is standing on her own two feet, breaking free of her codependent patterns, reminding herself daily, maybe on a minute by minute basis, that her job in life is not to be liked by others. There's a massive limiting belief that Alex is carrying around that I'm not enough unless I get so-and-so's approval. And the people who she's looking to for approval tend to be very much like her father. And those are generally people who can't give her that approval and validation because like I like to say, she's going to a Chinese restaurant when she really wants nachos. She's not going to get them. I know I sound like a broken record sometimes y'all, but it always starts within. And that's her work right now to find her way, to find her own place, to find her own job. If she needs to ask for a loan, okay, but better alone than moving back in with her parents and going back and doing that inner child work, reminding herself, hey, it's not your job to make sure mom's okay. And it's not your job to contort yourself into a pretzel to get the love of dad, AKA a man. So any takeaways for you all? First of all, there is a few days to join our inner child workshop. This episode comes out on the third. Inner child workshop starts on the fifth. Highly, highly recommended. If you're listening to the podcast, after the workshop, you can get the recording. 
It'll be available for 30 days. It's a virtual workshop. You can join from anywhere in the world. If you can't make it live, you can always get the recording. Go to christinehassler.com slash inner child. All the information is there. Another takeaway for you, look where you might have some patterns of codependence. A book that I recommend a lot is Codependent No More by Melanie Beattie, or go online, research it, see what book really, really speaks to you. Write yourself out a list of all your perceived failures or mistakes and reframe them. For every single one, I want you to write down at least three things you learned from them. Start to see your failures and mistakes from a different perspective. And finally, I think we all really could just use more self-love, especially during this time. Do something that fills your cup, something that makes you feel safe, something that makes you feel nurtured, something that calms that inner child that lives within you, that just makes you feel good. Not something that's a numbing technique like eating a whole tub of ice cream, but something that makes you feel good. Maybe it's a bath. Maybe it's getting a coloring book and crayons. Maybe it's curling up with your favorite blankie and watching a movie you love from childhood. Maybe it's seeing one of your friends. Maybe it's asking for a hug from someone. Do something that makes you feel good and loved and safe and nurtured. Human beings need that. We're not meant to live in isolation and separation and distancing. We need human connection. Self-care, connection is your assignment this week. And I hope I see lots of you in the Inner Child Workshop. I'm sending you much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. 